sibilance. What, sibilance. what does sibilance mean? Sibilance. I don't know. I think it's like I saw it on a, I saw it on SNL. Did, <laughs> were they checking mic levels? Yeah, it was either SNL or Wayne's World or something. It was like Tom Hanks was one of like the stage hands for Aerosmith, and he was like, check, 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 one, two, sibilance, sibilance. Tom check, Hanks? Check. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Was it? Hmm, I don't know. Aerosmith was on Wayne's World too. I think it, I think it was that one. I think Tom Hanks was one of the stagehands, like secretly, like oh, like, uncredited. Funny. Kind of, check, check. One, two. Sibilance. I'm gonna go back and watch it. I have it on DVD. Sibilance, I think. I got, I don't know, but I know Tom Hanks did that. That's funny. Uh, anyway, you are listening to Smash and Grab Comics. I am Tyler, and across from me is Seth. No. JP, I gave him a Coke, and it says Seth on it. Share a Coke with Seth. No, I, share a Coke with me. I should have found one, JP. John Paul. That would have been fun. That would have been fun. I, could, I probably wouldn't have opened it. Because, yeah, you would save that shit. I would have bought you two if I found a John Paul. Damn right. Yeah. Um, anyway, we are two comic book geeks here to talk to you guys about our favorite comics this week. Uh, crazy week. I yeah, right off the bat. Then oh, I said sorry. my name is Tyler, and then you were Seth, Coke got and then me. Coke got yeah. <laughs> um, this is not a podcast for Coke, but uh, hey, earlier today, <laughs> speaking of podcasts, earlier today I was listening to one, and they had a an ad from a company um, where you would get like stuff on to solve a murder. Um, oh, so. You know, like those box sets that you can get yeah, in the mail. You solve murder at home, basically. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was on as a as a commercial, and then the very next commercial was for a internet service called ButcherBox. And <laughs> what the hell? Oh, probably meats. Meats. Oh. Yep. I know. And I, <laughs> I know when I first heard it come on, I'm going, "Wow, that's really funny that they put those back to back." That's that's just timing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so how was your week? It's good, man. Busy. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I saw your pictures. Yeah, um, so I didn't know that you uh, you guys were going to dress up, but you looked awesome. Thanks. Uh, I honestly didn't think it was going to turn out because I had bought some makeup from the Halloween store. Yeah. And then when I opened like the red and blues and stuff, yeah, it was like powder. Uh-huh. They'd been sitting there for years. Ah, uh, shit. So I was like, fuck. I'm like, this is not going to work. I'm like complaining to my wife. I'm like, this is not going to work. And she's like, why? I'm like, check out this paint. She's like, oh, my God. What are you going to do? I'm like. Fuck it. I paint models, so I grab my model paint and start painting my face with it. Did that <laughs> did that tighten your skin? No, no. As it went honestly, on there? like seventy percent of my paints are Walmart apple barrel paints, which are just acrylic paints. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen that brand. Fine on skin. I, re- I, I looked at them. They said non toxic. I was gonna say your skin looks a little blotchy under the eyes. Are you sure it's not toxic? <laughs> I'm good, man. For those that didn't see, uh, JP went as the Joker. Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix make style make face paint makeup yes. face paint. Uh, did you um, have to buy those clothes, or did you already have them? I had um, I had the jacket, I had the vest, the shirt I bought from Savers for five bucks, yeah, and the pants I had to go to Men's Warehouse to match um, my suit jacket or my um, blazer, yeah, which matched the color pretty much perfect, yeah, burgundy, and then um, the shoes I already had for my wedding. Wow! And then I wore mismatched socks. Of course, you got it. And were they like neon colors or something? Um, one of them had polar bears on it, and one of them had uh, Kenny from South Park on it. Oh yeah, <laughs> you killed Kenny. Yeah, you bastards. It was fun though. I mean, I I didn't think it was gonna turn out, and it did. And I got some hairspray, some green hairspray. Yeah. And uh, worked out good. And yeah, it was it was fun. It was yeah. a costume that I was like happy because it turned out good, and I'm like I can just pull this off next year too. Right. Better because I 
can do the face paint now and know that don't buy the crap from there. Like go buy actual like I might actually buy a makeup kit that's like a Hollywood makeup kit because I'm yeah. like, I paint minis. So I'm like looking at and I'm doing my face. I'm like oh I can do this and this and this and this. And like I did like the dark lines on my head and I did like yep you know, dark under eyes and I did a little chin accent and just yeah huh. it just it's it turned into a lot of fun. And did it, was, it did it take a while to get off? How did you get it up? Like, shower. Would just. I just hop in the shower. And so, face, just as a guy who has acrylic paint on him all the time, um, <laughs> Dawn soap works good. Or just Dawn, soap, man. just like, a bottle of Dawn. Um, or suave for men. Have you uh, ever used lava soap before? Uh-uh, but I know okay. what it is. Yeah, buy a bar of that. You know, yeah. f- and it'll just that pumice in there will just it's take pumice. it right off. Oh, it'll take half your skin off too. But great. No, I, I just rubbed it all off. It probably took about a half hour now in the shower. Just be like, mm-hmm. just get it off. Yeah, I could do, and then you kind of poke your head out to see the mirror, see yeah. see if you if it's I was, off. I was a pretty lady for about a couple couple of you know checks, like with yeah, the, the eyes were blue still. Like, uh-huh. I'm a pretty lady, pretty lady. Ah <laughs> uh, man, it's all Joker talk lately. Yeah. Um, so should we save Joker for the end because we've got a couple Joker things. Yeah. yeah um, so what about Venom this week? Meh. Why meh? Why meh? I really liked it. I mean, I thought it was good. It's just I, coming off of Absolute Carnage number four yeah. and where the story left off, such a cliffhanger to the end game. Um, Is there only five books or yeah, six? five. Okay, good. So, okay, good, you say. But the story was so good there, and it was like a really big cliffhanger. of like, all right, Eddie's going after Carnage. Like, I guess see what happens. So Venom 19, I thought there would be a little bit more like filler of like maybe like the flight of them chasing each other, you know what I mean? Yep. Like a high-speed chase almost, but in one book. Yep. Which would be fun. Um, but then we just it backtracked to more maker stuff and more like what's going on with yeah because in in Venom he hadn't caught up to Carnage yet right and so he had found Dylan and we learned that I knew that going in though that this was before I didn't oh okay when I flipped it open I was like aww see I've got a list uh, so I can know what's in what order so I know ahead of time I mean I just was expecting more story to add on to Absolute Carnage yeah and it just kind of filled in stuff we already prior seen. Yeah, but we have seen like this is the death of the scorpion. Matt Gargan. Yeah, more he got stabbed, Mac Gorgon. He didn't die. Are you, he got stabbed in the spine, yeah. Car- <laughs> Carnage took him right through right through and severed his spine and he's like, I can't I can't feel my legs, Eddie. And I he's thought not, he's not he, he didn't die. I I'm let's assume he's dead. <laughs> we can assume that, but that just makes a venom out of you and me. Yeah, what? <laughs> a venom, an ass? Yeah. Okay. You know that old term. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can assume what you want, but that just makes an ass out of you and me. <laughs> just let it. I'm just gonna let it hang. I'm just gonna let that hang. Just like a stale fart in the wind. Oh my god, it was so terrible this morning. A couple of daycare kids showed up, and I was in the kitchen, and I just. I just let one rip, and then, <laughs> and then uh, of course, my wife had to walk right into it a, f- a minute later, and she was like, Jesus me. Christ! Dusted me. Uh, okay, so Mac died. Scorpion. I'm saying he's dead. I don't think he's dead. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's see who's the winner here. Right. Uh, How much new content did we get from this story, though? None. Um, because... One bigger game. Yeah. Um, the story didn't really advance, except that we did find out that um, there there's another symbiote that um, Dylan, Eddie's son, knew where it was at. And it was, it was from Venom First Host, is where that, that one came from. 
Okay. The, the sleeper character. Yeah. It came from Venom vs. Host. Oh, okay. So that's where that was spun out of. All right. I'll have to go back and read that because I can't remember it. Because it's not worth it. Okay. It deals with scrolls and it's garbage. Although the scrolls are part of the thing we just came out of with Marvel. What's the the old? Secret War. No. Oh. Um, with Thor. Uh, with. War of the Realms. Yeah. Yeah, we were doing with scrolls there. We, no, that was like uh, Dark Elves. Oh. Okay. Scrolls and Kree and space and. Cosmic. Yeah. Anyway. Let's get back to the symbiote who um, tried to attach itself to uh, little Dylan and to create something new. Yeah, and it was like ready to take over, and Dylan blocked it, you know, mentally and physically. He rejected it, and yeah, the sleeper was like, "What, what, are what you? Dylan? What are you? Yeah, what are you?" <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, so. Anyway, Dylan was then able to control it. Yeah, uh, he, Dil- turned it the, he turned it into a wolf. The visage of a wolf, and then Sleeper has the ability to produce any chemical. Which is a cool ability, because he put napalm all over the maker. the maker who had been carnagized. Yeah, I don't know what you want to call it. Hawkeye, that was sweet. And Hawkeye yeah, was just Hawkeye like Hawkeye, Hawkeye was like a badass, just flaming arrow. <laughs> And I liked his line too. He's like, yep. uh, Dylan, Dylan's like, it's napalm. And then uh, Hawkeye was like, metal. Yes, that was perfect. He was like, metal. Sick. And he just like, boom. Yeah, blew him up. So that was kind of cool. I mean, that was fun. I'm not saying it wasn't good, it was fun. I just, I was really hoping for more of Absolute Carnage to continue the story just because of where Absolute Carnage 4 left off. It's such a big, like, oh man. Yeah, we'll so, get that in like, Carnage 5. We will. With yeah. the Avengers and, like, you know, Spider-Man and Eddie have all been getting their asses royally kicked by Carnage yeah. this whole time. So I'm ready to see Venom kick Carnage's ass. Yeah. Did you see that really bad panel of Wolverine in there? Where it... Okay, one panel looked awesome and had Spider-Man, his mask was ripped up to his yeah. nose. And then a couple of panels later, Wolverine is staring... Like, because they threw Spider-Man at like Captain America. special. Yeah. Okay, and there's a uh, thing, and Wolverine are standing there. Wolverine's face mask came way out like they were giant <laughs> bat ears. I mean, it looked so dumb. It wasn't Ryan Stegman who drew, who drew that one. No, so. definitely not. But, yeah, it was good. I just, I, I, yeah, I already said it. You know? Yep. I just hope wish it was continuing. I can't wait to find out what Dylan's secret Dylan. thing he's got, because there's something going on inside him, and the, the symbiote. Sort of symbiote inside of him. Yeah, already. he's got something big because he was able to reject a symbiote with no problem and, control and then control it even though it's not part of him. So it tells me he's some sort of higher-up symbiote than something that like young that. that little one was. And the nice thing is, um, the nice thing about it is, like, Sleeper, that character, even though it's from a dumb storyline, Venom First Host, is actually pretty high-level, like, if you read the story, he's pretty powerful oh. in terms of in, in his own right. So, so it was kind of cool to show Dylan's power. Yeah. My guess is that Dylan's not even real. Like, Dylan's not Dylan. Dylan is just a symbiote. Like, okay, so then what, did the Venom symbiote put it in Eddie's head that he had a son? No, possibly. Because he's done that before. Yeah. Put bad, er, memories in his head. Yeah, false memories. Sick. Yeah, that's true. So, Eddie believed that he still had cancer without it. Yeah, that's true. So, 
the symbiote is already known to be an unreliable narrator. You know? Oh yeah, it's a it's a it's a parasite. Yeah. So so I don't know. I think he. I don't think uh, Dylan actually is human at all. It's a good. Actually, that's a good theory. Actually, a symbiote. And yeah. Known it. A symbiote. Like a, a piece of venom. Maybe he does know it, and we, the reader, don't don't know that he knows it. I don't think he does. I think that symbiote inside of him is suppressing that. Who's you know the I mean? Who's the kid then? I don't know. Yeah. No idea. Well, I, it's your theory. I didn't know if you I'm thought just, that through. I'm just saying, like, I'm possibly just it used the visage of Dylan, yeah. the story of being Eddie's son, to protect itself. True. Kind of thing, and not and hide, not reveal itself, kind of thing. Yeah. Just a theory. Huh. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, kind of theory. I read. I've had worse ones. Yeah, a couple. Yeah. <laughs> I not a shame. Uh, not a shame. I read the plot number two. Did How you re- did you read the plot number one? Nope. Okay, so, so what's the plot of the plot? Um the plot refers to a, a piece of land right. that is haunted. Um and okay, so if you can imagine the plot for um lock and key. Did you read Lock and Key? Nope. Okay. Ha- haunted house. <laughs> oh, okay. Kids are discovering things as they have to live there. Gotcha. This is like a more adult version of Lock and Key. Okay, so just darker. Yeah, darker, grimmer. Um, I don't like the artwork very much, though. Mm. Um, but that's just a personal preference. Sure. It's kind of... I, I don't I don't really know if I like it yet. The first one, I was like, yeah, I can get on board with this. And now the second one going, didn't really capture me yet. Yeah. So I'm like two issues in. It's tough in the comic if when you're two issues in, you're not like sold on it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sold on it. The comic is so different. It's not like a book, you know, a, like a like an actual prose book. You have to at least get the first 50 pages in before you can really make a judgment of like whether you like it or not. Yeah, and a comic. I mean, if they they've got such a little window to grab a reader. Yeah, because you know, you got 20 pages. Yeah, and uh, right now with comics as standard now is you know 3.99. So four bucks minimum for a comic book. Um, I get pretty nitpicky with my choices. Yeah, me too. Open my world. Yeah, and so I don't know. They might get scrapped. <laughs> Tell me about that book that you read this week. Yeah, Last God. Uh, it was actually a new surprise book. I didn't know it was coming out from DC Black Label. Uh, completely original content. Yeah, it's not really in the DC. No, no, no. Universe it's, at all. It's like published through DC Black Label. Um, they actually overshipped the book because DC didn't have didn't get the orders they expected, so they shipped more to comic stores than anticipated. Okay. In trying to just get rid of it. Yeah. So when I read it, I loved it though because it's, yep. I was wondering if it was based on any other prose or any other fantasy novels or based in some other dark fantasy world, but no, it's the original dark fantasy universe. Good. Built and made for a comic book, and the art is incredible. You um, don't see that too much anymore. No, not at all. That's why I was super surprised. Um, the back has a map back also has like storyline and like you know um paragraphs about the the mythos of the world and then i was just really enthralled by it uh it's based on a group of heroes climbing the fabled black stairwell black stairway yeah and as they climb to the top of the black stairs they're going to hunt and kill the last evil god remaining in this world okay so that's the myth that this this book is built on and they do show that in the beginning four or five pages. They show that of these heroes climbing the black stairs and defeating the last god. Mm-hmm. And things have been fine after that. The kingdoms have been flourishing. 
you know, those heroes are now lords and ladies of this town or the city, and things are happy-go-lucky. They're having their festivities, honoring the king. There's a gladiatorial battle that's happening, and in in this in honor of the king defeating the last god is like an anniversary kind of like you know festival event. Yep. And um, they have this show, the gladiatorial battle of this guy who's in there. He's won 59 fights in a row, and on his 60th win, he gets his freedom. And also, he's never killed an opponent. He always defeats them, but never kills them, which is also cool. Something about this slave character. Yeah, it's not not true to Roman gladiators. Right, right. So that's kind of a cool thing. God, I'm cold. I know. That's why I have my coat on. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We are sitting in the beautiful Rainbow Comics cards and collectibles, and it is freezing in here. Cold in South Dakota, man. I bet, I bet the uh, heater's on a timer, isn't it? And it shuts off the minute the store is closed. Sure does. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, holy buckets. It takes a lot to pump uh, heat to a 5,000 square foot space. So. Yeah. Um, but all the plastic retains it. I'm just gonna have to like hide amongst the GI Joes. I can pile you toys or something. Yeah. <laughs> bring a blanket. All right, let's get back to <laughs> what? What happened? What? Um, where am I? In the story, uh, he wins his yep. 60th yep. fight. And they um, won't let him go? And then, yeah, and then the king says, let him win 60 more. Oof. He walks away. And then, but something's off about the king, and he's like, he seems to be sick. And then he keeps saying, no, not now. It's too soon, not now. And then as he walks through the city trying to get back to his palace, he stumbles and falls in front of this big statue, and then all of a sudden explodes into the last god. He is the last god. So now the city is on, the palace is on fire. Nobody knows why. Yep. Some of the old heroes in the story of killing the last god have come to help. And the the slave guy, he was walking the streets going to his slave quarters. Yeah. Um, being loyal because he said, I'll, I'll win 60 more. Like, he's just yeah. really loyal. And then um, this fire breaks out. He rushes to help with a slave friend of his. And they they realize that something's not right, mm-hmm. and then these other heroes have come who are elves, but they think the elves have betrayed the king, but that's not true. They're there to they're like you don't understand what's happening here. So somewhere, the king who supposedly killed the last god must have made some sort of deal to you know absorb it or be the last god's vessel like a like a cocoon sure. for a certain amount of time. Yeah, and then after a certain amount of years. The last god bursts out of him again. It's yeah, really gruesome, like really gross. Too. Just, I mean, it's, like, it's like the John Carpenter thing. Yeah, where he just explodes and like it's Halloween time, and all the tentacles are like going through this like one is like like going through this lady's mouth. It's gross, but it's really like the art is visceral and real, and it just grabs you, man. And I may I have the, to go over there and grab it. I'll slap a five dollar bill on your counter. It's, it's gone. Oh, they're it's all gone. gone. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about a book that's gonna be hard to grab because it's already out of print. Yeah. Um, DC overshipped it already. They overshipped it, and it's out of print now. So comic shops that got it, that's all they're going to get. Yeah. go to eBay. I don't think there's a whole lot of buzz on this book, but I think it's a book that people need to look at. Yeah. Because it's so original. Like, this is what I want out of DC Black Label. Like, super original. And if you don't mind, I'll actually step away, because I actually have it over there. I'll grab it. I wish that, yeah, I wish that they would have kept the Vertigo line, um, only because the DC Black Label really is kind of the same thing. Don't you think so, John? It's absolutely the same thing he says. He's getting it. He's coming back. I'm gonna come. I'm doing commentary on your walk. He's. You have a little bit of a weird gait right now. Not really a player. 
Sauntering. I don't know if that's what I would call sauntering, but oh, okay. okay, now we have it in front of us. Yes, The Last God, book one of the Fellspire Chronicles. Um, take a look inside, though. I just, I, I thought it was great. And then the world building is there, but just it's not so, like, shoved into your face. Um, it's just, it's inherent within the way that the people speak. Right. And the way that the characters talk. Um, and they have a language of their own. They have, you can kind of pick up the society and how it works. And right. it's got shades of the Roman Empire and things like that. But, yeah. Um, I love the art was on point. The story was solid. The characters are awesome. That's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah. That was very, very visceral. I would almost say, like, not necessarily like a god, but man, that looks like a demon coming out him with all these uh, tentacles and Tree things tentacles, like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought it was super cool. And, like, again, I think the biggest selling point here. Is is absolutely 100% original content from DC Black Label, which we've seen before. But DC has really DC Black Label's really leaned on Batman, Joker, Superman, their staples to sell DC Black Label to us, which is fine. I have no problem with that. But I I think books like this needed more press from DC. I think you know I would have liked to seen those books stay out of the Black Label. Um, Realm and I, I've been sad that they've been putting things like Harleen and the Joker Killer Smile and the Batman um, White Knight thing. And I did, I just I'm not sad about it. I think that's the way to go with it just because the original, the original inception and concept of Black Label was an R rated universe, which is completely and utterly fractured from the regular DC universe. Yeah, 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 yeah. It. It's just and a place to, it's just a playground for telling new new content about tour content. Yeah. Yes. I, about old characters like um let's finish this book and then I'll go into Harleen. Yeah, absolutely. But that's the gist of it. I mean, that's book 1. They realized that the old stories may not be true. The yeah. last guy wasn't killed. That's cool. I really um not I wish I would have picked it up. I just didn't have the money for everything I wanted yeah, on I mean, Wednesday. I just, I loved it. I just think everything was on point with it. And I'm really excited. It's like, this is what I'm talking about. I mean, they've got like songs and hymns from the world and like more. That is stuff. cool. Like world building stuff. Like yes. they, they literally, it looks like you're reading the Bible. Um, not, not so much words from the Bible, but the way it's set up with the two columns and they've got the, um, nice, uh, print here of the F, you know, some engravings and... Yeah, and then, I mean, they even have a world map. Like, that's awesome, too. Like, yeah, it lo- reminds me of reading Lord of the Rings when they when you'd flip to that map of yeah. uh, Middle-Earth. Solid, solid book. I really think that this deserved a lot more press from DC as a push than it got, because I didn't even know this was coming out. This is straight up my alley. I wouldn't have guessed that this would have been a DC Black Label. Nope. Um, you wouldn't have guessed that for reading. You know, having a fantasy genre book from them is... Rare. Rare. I don't. Not unheard of. Yeah, I don't recall one from being DC Marvel. Yeah, we had Conan, but I mean, you could maybe throw fables in there as a fantasy. That when I think of fantasy genre, I don't think of swords and sorcery. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Dragons. That kind of stuff. But high concepts, really great execution. If you uh, are looking for something unique. And I think a book that is going to be a sneaky pick that people are going to talk about later. Yeah. Um, try the last God. Book one of the Fellspire Chronicles. Go track it down. Is not to be missed. So there's been a lot of Black Label stuff out this week. This week, though, was a fifth Wednesday, so that's kind of why you saw a lot of pump on Black Label and, uh, and uh, annuals. Yeah. 
fifth Wednesday. So. Uh, so. Um, but Black Label definitely ruled the week. Yeah. What? Okay. So they had Vertigo forever, yeah. and then it was killed. Karen Berger decided to just kill it. Yeah. I and know. then. Five years went by or so, and they relaunched it. Then, then, well, the Books of Magic still gets produced. That, um, it doesn't. That still say Vertigo on that. It does, but I mean, where's all the rest of the Vertigo titles? That uh, that's a, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they put that out. It's still going, but yeah, it failed. I, I honestly money down guarantee that Books of Magic and like Neil Gaiman Universe, the, and Sam Universe yep. stuff. Yeah, that's the only stuff that's being put out on Vertigo is Neil Gaiman related stuff. Yeah, there's, and there's, yeah, there's no reason if you're going to come forward and keep going with Black Label, there's no reason to try and Well, then okay, like, so then right around that same time they relaunched that, they also launched DC Black Label. And it's almost like two separate parties within DC are like, "No, I'm going to put out the new um edgy label. No, I'm going to do it." No, it, it it bugs me on a weekly basis from DC on some of their brand identity. Yeah. Because um, they've launched so many new lines of publishing. Because they have regular DC Universe, they've got DC Black Label, they've got DC... Young Black, Animal. Young Animal, they've got Vertigo still, for some odd reason. Um, they even have um, a younger kids one now. I think I can't remember what it was called, but it's it's something else. And then they've got another subdivision of that. And it's just like, I just don't understand the brand identity there and how many branches of whatever just pick a label just yeah. pick a label and just go with it stop like, so confusing people i agree and that's what i'm talking about like i it's all dc to me but um okay we've been just inundated with joker stuff um in and around the movie coming out and harleen number two is out along with the, the exact same week which just seems a little weird as joker killer smile um both of them feature the joker heavily um in Harleen, it um, she's getting closer and closer to her descent to actually becoming um, Harley Quinn. Uh, the Joker has already asked her, if, instead of having to say Quinzel, if he could just say Quinn. Um, so, like, her name is already starting to change. Yeah. Um, she's already talk, calling him Mr. J. He asked her, would you mind just calling me Mr. J during their interviews? Um, she's getting closer and closer to snapping. Um they're showing little flash forwards of when she's helping him do stuff, but we get to see a retelling of Harvey Dent's um, trip into becoming Two-Face, which kind of is, in this storyline is coinciding with Harley Quinn's own journey with that didn't happen in the regular continuity like that, right. but, but hence black label. Yeah. Um, I think Harleen's great though. Um, Personally, I passed on it just because it's not a story that I'm super interested in. Just because I'm not like the biggest Harley Quinn fan, which is it's it's there and it's it's. it's I'm not weird. a fan of Harley Quinn, um, the character, but I am a fan on um, Harleen Quinzel. Like sure, I, I want to like w- the doctor. Like what well, was she is, like? You know, this is a deep dive. And when I say deep dive, I mean like deep deep dive into psychological deconstruction. It feels like you're reading her journals because it's from her point of view. Yeah. And I, I'm going to butcher the artist's name. I can't, I don't I know how to say it. He's, it's like Stejan he's Stefan. Definitely Stejic. seems like a Nordic name to me. Yeah. And he's he's definitely a European guy. Uh, he's more, he's known for more of his racy work. Yeah. Um, he's done 
books that are truly meant for adults that deal with sex and violence. I haven't dra- read anything of his before. He, he, that's kind of where he got his, his big push, and uh, he, he just he's done more adult-oriented books. Uh, his uh, art lends itself well to it. He draws the human form very well. Aside from the lettering, he did all the work, story and art. Covers these covers look like um, who's the other painterly artist that did uh, Kingdom Come and Alex Ross? Alex Ross, yeah. These these have more of a, a whimsical style to it than Alex Ross. Alex Ross is like true realism. Yeah, but more... Alex Ross, you're right. Alex Ross's stuff is like almost too realistic for well, comic book. Very it I mean, it takes me. I mean, that was one of my problems reading. Um, his stuff is that I felt like I was well I was I was looking at paintings with word balloons and that was hard because there because there's no motion in it right and I for a long time it took me forever to realize why I didn't like reading books like Kingdom Come or anything else Alex Ross has done or there was an X-Men book too um, because it was so static because they're oil paintings you know what I mean it's and so yes but yeah, but exactly. But there's no mo- comic book motion lines. There's no, sure. none of that. You know, you. yeah. I hear you. So you're right. This is more whimsical for sure. Yeah, absolutely. He's still really good at drawing human form, and he still has that painterly style. But he has a much more modern digital touch to it, and it, it does feel much more comic oriented. I'm not complaining. Um, it's my own fault for waiting to the last minute. But <laughs> this fucker is long. I I got halfway through it and then just said, you know what, I'll have to read it after the show because we wanted to get started yeah, that's, recording. That's kind of how I felt too. I mean, again, you know, it's a great book. It's a very, very huge deep dive into the psychological deconstruction of uh, Harley and Quinzel. Yeah. Uh, and it's a great book for Harley Quinn fans, Joker fans alike, and just comic book fans in general because it's something that we haven't seen before in terms of a actual like dissection of those events yeah and how he broke her down yeah um to become that new character so great for fans yeah is on the long side that's not a problem that the price tag is 799 uh, i think that's a good price but um yeah it's not a book for me you get your money's worth um for story art i i feel like it hits all the marks um it does and um i just i'm not a fan of this format um, that DC Black Label most of the time does with these larger digest, not digest, but uh, magazine size comic books. Yeah. What is your thought on them? You like them? Dislike them? I like them because it gives a little bit more of a prestige to the book. Yeah. Rather than just a, like, oh, it's just a comic book on a shelf. Yeah. It has a lot more of it had- an instant look like a value to it. Yeah. It- it's more specialized. Yeah. More. So there's a tangibility to a larger it makes it look more important that makes it look more collectible just you know what I mean because comic shop you know Wednesday warriors people who go out and put their, pick their books up on Wednesday morning or you know waiting at the door it's something new it's something exciting so I think in terms of a collector standpoint visual standpoint solid in terms of storage and where to put it fucked yeah because <laughs> it's like you gotta buy a magazine box now you gotta buy magazine bags and boards now and you gotta, you know, you gotta have a separate section, unless you just slide them into your bookshelf. But then again, they don't. They're they're a little too floppy for just sliding them in the bookshelf. Right. I'm gonna have to pick up some magazine bag and boards because I've got half a dozen of this size books on. I don't. They're just in a pile. They're in a pile. Right. Exactly. Um, you have to just like you know, finagle them into a short or long box on the side. Yeah. So storage wise, in terms of getting it home, sucks. But 
presentation wise, storyline wise, and like the creators that they're, they're choosing and what they're featuring is you get a really, really nice view of the art. Yeah. And that's what I think really draws itself to the style. Because um, like the next book we're going to talk about, Joker Killer Smile, I think the art and Jeff Lemire's storytelling is on point here. It's great and it's it's on display. Um, we have Andre Sorrentino doing the arts here uh, who did Gideon Falls. Yeah. So moving into the next book, though, we, we just got done talking about Harleen, um, number two. Yep. Joker, Killer Smile. Jeff Lee, Lemire. Uh, Jeff Lemire, who I have a love-hate relationship with, but yep. I love this book. Do you? And then uh, Sorrentino doing the art is amazing because you bring, in, you bring in an artist who worked on Gideon Falls, and Gideon Falls is one of my favorite books. Yep. And it's just, this is Gideon Falls and God, this book. Yeah, I could see that. Um, how did the... Okay, so in the story, the, again, a psychologist story, going to interview the Joker. So we have similar to Harley Quinn. Um, he's there because he's trying to kid himself that he's doing it so that the world has a better understanding of the Joker. Uh, he wants to heal him so that they can make a... They can reproduce his efforts to heal other people. Yeah, and... And he's trying to kid himself for all these altruistic reasons, but really he wants to be the guy that cures the Joker. Exactly. There's an ego play here uh, at, at, at hand. Yeah. Like he likes to tell himself that he's doing it for the good of everyone and the good of Gotham and prove that even the Joker, one of the worst people, the most mentally deranged people out there, can be cured. Yeah. But he's actually really doing it without admitting it to himself or anybody else. It's for his own ego. Yeah, but, you know, he repeats that he, that question so often. Do you think I'm doing it for the right reasons? That's why. Do I, you think I am? Yeah. And it's like, well, I didn't, but now <laughs> I now I kind of do. Well, that's for the reader to figure out that deep down it's for his own ego. It's not – It's not. he has no real – great if he does cure him, awesome. I don't – It's I, really for his ego. It's own for his own personal gain. I think he wants to – the altruistic reasons too, like he wants it for the good of – Sure. Everybody, I think that's the there. The of the book deep down is, it's just for you. It's not for me or Gotham or people. Or yeah. Anything. It's just for you. You're just showboating. Yeah. And he probably wants to write a good book about it. Um, and so we get another story of the Joker just feeding him full of stories. Now, I didn't see, in this book, uh, for those that haven't read it yet, um, there is a spot where he's reading his kid a bedtime story. Yeah. And it turns out to be very gruesome bedtime story. And he comes to realize that it came from the Joker. And he doesn't know how his kid got a hold of the book. That was obviously from the Joker because at the end of this issue, uh, the Joker makes a reference to a few pages in the story itself to reveal that, yeah, I gave him the book. How do you think that happened? Um, My fan theory about this book is that the guy interviewing the Joker is actually just a, a patient at Arkham, too. And all this stuff is fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just something that he's a patient there. He was driven insane by the Joker already. And he's trying to, like, drive him. Like, the crisis of trying to cure the Joker is more of a crisis of trying to cure himself and 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 say to himself that he's sane. So I think the book is actually... I hope that's not it. That feels a little too easy. Yeah, it does. But that's just my that's just my fan theory. Um, I do he's, find... He's actually a patient. I'm looking for the scene right now where he wakes up in the night and he goes wandering looking for this sound. 
and he, he finds it in the basement. Creepy. This is where it reminds me of Gideon Falls the most. He's yeah. walking. There's all these black panels, yes. and he goes to reach for this door handle, and he keeps hearing this noise. And his wife flips on the light, and she goes, what are you doing down here? And he goes, nothing, nothing, just go back to bed. And she goes, do I have to sleep? Ben, it's 8, meaning 8 in the morning. So he had been there all night. Sorrentino's art, like, just lends itself to that creep I just factor. I don't think anybody does psychological horror as good as Sorrentino does. Huh. Like, they paint such a great picture, and how, like, fractured and fragmented these, like, dream sequences are. These, like, cool, like, the, the use of framing and the use of, like, timing. Right. And how it slows the reader down to examine it and see what they're looking at. Yeah. And the use of color, um, especially during that scene where he's looking, he's going to the door. And everything just seems kind of dreamscapey. Yeah, just, a little know, twisty. I love how the panels kind of like start kind to of like twist. Fall. Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah, it's, it's all black, and the door is kind of greenish color. Yeah. Um, I was a little lost on this fish page. Um, was the Joker referring to a past escape that he did? Uh, it was a past event that happened, basically. Like he's interviewing the Joker, and yep. he's referencing the fish event. Okay. And he's like, you know, remember the fish event? Like, you want to talk about that? How yeah. did you do it? You know what I mean? Yep. How did you make the fish look like that? Because the fish all have Joker smiles. Joker smiles on yep. And almost like human like teeth. Yeah. Do you like how the artist portrays the Joker in this book? Yes. Um, he looks very human like. Um, more confident than um, um, Joaquin Phoenix did, right? This Joker looks a lot more sure of himself. This is the Joker. I don't even know if it's our stand our, our Joker that we've known forever. This guy looks even different than that. Almost like well, kind of like a. It is, but um, in terms of the confidence you're talking about, the yeah, and the attitude of yeah, I'm better than you. I'm always six steps ahead of you, kind of thing. You know? Yeah, but this look on it. I mean, this this the physical look of him. He looks like he's like tougher. You know what I mean? The, I just think the Joker like, always gets his ass kicked. I think he just looks more like Sorrentino's art is very human. Yeah. yeah. I just think he's more human as all. Just for rather, sure. It's, it's just the way he looks is just a, a regular guy, but he's got pale skin, green hair, and, and uh, red lips. Look how he can flip back and forth from this flashback of the Joker where he had the shaved sides on his hair to this current Joker with the Band-Aid on his nose. Yeah. How different he can draw him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, again, Sorrentino's art is, is the showstopper here. Um and Jeff Lemire is just killing it. I just, I just thought this story was really good, really creepy, and um, perfect Halloween type book. You know? What yeah, I mean? came out on Halloween, right? Came out yesterday, or two days ago. Yeah, I think this book deserves a lot more credit than a lot of people do. So the psychologist, he runs out of his interview with the Joker, and he starts to experience another hallucination. An episode, yeah. Yeah, and he runs into the bathroom stall, and he basically sees a man that was murdered on the toilet, and on the wall was scrawled "Ha ha ha." And he slips in the blood, and he's on his back on the floor, and someone else walks into the bathroom. There's nothing there. And there's nothing there. He's just laying on his back in the bathroom stall. That's what leads me to believe that... that All the while, Joker is scribbling on the wall of his cell. Yeah, that's what leads me to believe that this psychologist character is just doesn't actually exist in the real world because he's having these weird psychotic breaks. Yeah, he's had two of them now. Yeah. In issue one. Yeah. Um I just thought it was really good, and I uh, I had the B cover for this initially, but after reading it, I went back to the A cover. The, this green one? Yeah, because 
the cover it's this so cover I chose this cover because it really matches the story well. That's what I that's what happened is like I, I was like, ooh, the B covers are cool. It's got the you know the him pulling his you know, the Joaquin Phoenix thing pulling his cheeks apart and doing the smile. Yeah, yeah. It's really in your face and like it's very punk rock. Like, yeah, ah. It's a cool cover. It but, really is a cool cover, but this But it lends itself more to the movie that just came out. And yeah. this one really feels like it's for this book. Yeah, See the, the cover two here represents the book entirely. I love the cover. So I just don't like it that they're basically it's a male version of Harley Quinn right now. I just think it's a good companion piece to Harley Quinn because Harley Quinn is is complete another story driven. Yeah. And and it's it's a deconstruction of the one character. And this is more of a psychological horror. Yeah, I'd say that. It's a little bit more poppy in terms of <coughs> he's dying. I'm joking. I know CBR. <coughs> Mountain Dew went round the wrong pipe. <clears throat> Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. I need my hillbilly juice. <clears throat> Make real kind sugar. Where we get the psychological deep dive in Harleen, now we get the psychological horror of the Joker in Joker Killer Smile. I, I, yeah. This book was more what I thought. Um, the Joker movie was going to be like as far as like a psychological horror that's what I think I asked you when you watched it I said would you describe it like a psychological horror movie and you said no it's psychological but not it's not a drama it's not anything more than a documentary really I mean it feels like a documentary yeah it really does Um, I think this is a great companion piece to that Joker film if you went and saw the Joker movie and loved it yeah, I think you would love the Killer Smile book. The Killer Smile, it's not the same story. No, so, no, no. no. So, I'm just saying it has that flavor and yeah, essence to it. I didn't, yeah, it's I just didn't want it. real. Yeah, I just didn't want listeners to think, oh, I no. want to go read a retelling of that. It's no, not no, no, no. Not, not the at same at all. Not at all. But I was, I'm just saying it's it's on that same tone and that right. same like, level of like storytelling and grittiness and realism and just kind of shock you. Um level if you love the joker if you love joker film the yep. joaquin phoenix movie go pick up joker killer smile it's just i think it's a, it's cool, a cool book it's a great jump point from do you know how many movie. is it gonna be three issues it's usually actually, been three i actually don't know i think this one will be a little longer because it's thinner in its context the the ones that have been three are the size of harleen yeah like the batman ones and yeah. then so this would probably go for like six or seven huh that'd be cool i hope so um so another thing that both you and I love is Jim Henson properties. Mm-hmm. So I haven't been reading the comic, but how's the Dark Crystal? It's really good. Um, another great companion piece, and I know it's to the show. To the show, because it's uh, it's a prequel to the prequel. Uh, the show is a prequel to the film, and the book is a prequel to the show. Yeah. So they're aging it in reverse, which I really like, and it gives fans uh, easy. My wife would hate that. She hates things being laid out like memento style, you know, or you find out. I don't like it if it doesn't work. Yeah. But this works because we, now we like in the, in the movie, we see the story of one of the last Gelflings and blah, 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 blah. You already know it. Yep. In the show, we see how the Gelflings became to be. Yep. Almost extinct. And then in this book, uh, we see, the legend of the weapon that they use in the show that the Gelflings need to acquire. So since they are kind of each going back in time, you don't really have to have seen the previous one to jump on. Right. Because it, it's new content that even the old fans haven't seen. Yeah. It's like starting at square one, but then starting at square one before square one. 
Yep. It's, I think it's nice. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, and if you're a fan of the property, it's even more just adding to the world they've the world that they've already built and they, they keep expanding. Um, and Jim Henson Company sign off on it. You know, it's, it's yeah. It's uh, it's straight from. It's got their approval. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? It's not like fan fiction. It's not some. Somebody bought the rights and did a, did a Dark Crystal book. It's it's Jim Henson Company signed off. Said yeah, that's great. Yeah, it. and it's gonna be twelve issues. Okay, this is a long story. Yeah. So I love that. I love that it's twelve issues and um, the B covers. I think are the highlight because it's a mural, and when all well, all, all, are done. all twelve covers will be all lined up. It'll be like uh, cave drawings of it, the story. Is and it's gonna be one line. It's not gonna be six line and no, then it, six. It, it should, I, I don't know because I haven't seen the whole solicitation of all the covers, but so far you think it's gonna be I've just seen, so the one. first like four or five that have been solicited are all have the cover of a mural. I would love to see twelve. Are you gonna hang them all as a mural? I would like, uh, yeah, top, like a, like top of my room. Yep, yeah, yep, just around, yeah, like a border. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Yep. Really when cool. I was a kid, I wish I still had it. My grandpa made me a shelf that was probably three feet wide, and. It had a notch. I I had him notch it so I could stand comics in it, Sweet. and I was because he's he's a woodworker, um, and I, he doesn't do much more of that anymore because of his age. And I'm just like, man, it'd be nice to him to make me like one that would span the width of a big wall in my room, right. you know. But um, I don't know what happened to that little one because that's when I got into comics, and I had Amazing Spider-Man three sixty one, two and three, and already at that point and I got it off the shelf and <clears throat> through the price guide that came out in the early 90s I don't remember what it was called it wasn't wizard but um, Overstreet <clears throat> Overstreet yeah and so like a couple years after I bought it it was already up to 60 bucks yeah and um, so I had my grandpa make me the shelf so I could display the because I had them you know like, yeah yeah and before that, it was just sitting in a box in my room, you know. Oh, I know. And there's a lot of comics <clears throat> I'd love to display too, but I don't have the room right now. When when I when my wife and I get a bigger place, I'll start to expand and break out of my room and you know start to hang things and yeah. As long as presentation is nice, because like there's a fine line between nerd and like just like displaying your stuff out everywhere, like. Oh, cool! Why are you hanging comic books on the wall? But if you frame them nice and you present them nice, you remember you put them like you put them in places that make sense, or like you know what I mean? Like it's a centerpiece to this or that, and it looks cool. And now it's a conversation piece rather than just like near alert. <laughs> like, yeah, the way. Okay, remember last spring when we had a show of some of our um, collectibles? Um, the way that your um, action figure of John Wick was with the tie, was with the comic book. That was cool. It made sense. Did you like that whole wall of comic books in um, um, Top Loaders? Yeah, I thought that the was way that, The way that Cody did it. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah I, I have that at my house now after seeing how he did that. Um, and I don't think it looks as nice. I think it looks more like you're describing, more like, I'm a fanboy. Yeah. Here's all my comic books on my wall. Yeah. <laughs> There's a way that you yeah, you have to do it. Like I said, it's a fine line. It yeah. Really when it's presented on a white wall with nothing else on it, that's it looks great. Yeah. But then you get it at home, you're like, fuck. <laughs> no, it's just a comic book amongst, you know, my other yeah. stuff. So there's a way to do it. And, like, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of doing things like that, too, because I'm a movie fan. I, I like celebrity autographs. 
and we talked like last week yeah uh, about you know i bought a clockwork orange poster that's my favorite movie yeah um and then i got a line on a malcolm mcdowell autograph so i'm gonna use that and as like a centerpiece and put that autograph with the poster and it gives me a better excuse to hang a poster anywhere I fucking want to. Yeah. And they're like, oh, cool, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's my favorite movie. And there in the middle is the autograph of the lead actor. Is that something you'd spend the money on a nice frame and all that for? Um, I, You know, I'm good enough to, like, customizing my own stuff or just, like, I'm I'm not too proud to say I'll go to Walmart, Target, and buy a 24 by 36 frame. Yeah. Because I can do the frame job myself, man. I don't need to seal it and do all this other crap um, not for however, not for a fifteen dollar poster right uh, however though like Hobby Lobby has good deals on framing they do um, but there's some there's some uh, framing places in town that will bend you over the barrel oh yeah like, oh yeah I I only man. I only go to Hobby Lobby um, I had a bad experience here I, I won't name the business but I took this uh, I entered a contest to win an opportunity to create one of the finishing moves in a game, like a video game. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was like three ways of entry. It was like draw it, animate it, or write it. And I didn't, at the time, I was in, like fresh out of high school, so I didn't have a computer. I couldn't, I didn't want to draw it. So I was like, I was just, I, I'm like, you know what? I'll just use my prose skills. So I typed it out into a two paragraph thing, submitted it, end up being one of the top ten finalists. Wow. And they sent me a gift package. I didn't win, but they sent me a gift package of, like, promotional material. Like, hey, here's a lithograph. Here's a cool, like, thing. And mm-hmm. here's, like, here's an ink blot, you know, like, of, like, um, the, the, the character's psychological study notes, whatever. It was cool. So I took all those things, and I took it to this framing place, and I told them to frame it for me. Yeah. They framed the ink blot thing upside down. Oh. Uh. And it's sealed. You know what I mean? It's sealed in the back. It's not like you just pop it open, flip it over, pop it back in. It's just sealed in there. And I was too young to be like, no, you just fucked it up. Like, do it again. So I was just like, thanks. And paid them left. And now it's just now it's just one of those things where it's like, damn it. So they didn't. It pisses me off forever now. So I, I can't even hang it up because I look at it. I'm like, it's wrong. It's upside down. You could take it somewhere and have it redone. That's just it. You know, you were young, didn't know to say, I'm sorry, you got this wrong. You're like, I, I'm not paying right now until you redo it. Um, but at the same time, they didn't really fuck you over. They made a mistake. They made a mistake. They made a mistake. Absolutely. No, it's just, <clears throat> it just left a bad impression on yeah. on me. And, and it was an ink blot too, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's easy mistake to make. But I told them specifically, this is the top, this is the bottom. You know what I mean? Yep. So, when I got it back, I was like, oh, God, I'd be uh, mad. It's just, it made me mad. And then I can go do that stuff myself now. I yep. I'll frame the way I want frame. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when you get all 12 of these covers, how are you going to display them? Uh, I'm not really sure on that. I was thinking of doing frames yep. just to kind of break it up a little bit rather than just one big piece. No. Yeah, I wouldn't think one piece. I think putting them in black, single black frames and putting them next to each other, people will understand the succession. Yeah. And that'll be cool. I think that'll be cool. Yeah. And then even doing it in, rather than 12 straight across, doing 6 and 6 would be even cool. So I was thinking it would be cool if the, they were printed so the second half, the second 6 formed the bottom half of the image. I'm, and I'm not sure yet, so we'll see. That would be really great. Yeah, that's what I was talking about if they did two rows of 6. That you know? would be very, very cool. Because then as soon as you get number 7, you're like, what the hell? This doesn't look like anything. And, then, boom. and you put it under number 1. That would be Boom. Awesome. 
Uh, last thing that you read was that you told me you read was Excalibur. Yeah. How was so, it? You know, these new X books, I'm really having a good time with them. I don't know anything about Excalibur at all, and it is has to do literally with Excalibur, like King Arthur, the other world, and like Camelot. And shit. Does it really? Yeah. Does the old, does the original Excalibur have to do with that? I'm, as far as I know, yes. I didn't know that because I didn't read any. Of that. No, I didn't either. I knew that so, Nightcrawler was part of Excalibur. But Captain Britain and his sister Betsy Braddock, later Psylocke, um, they actually have like they get their powers from the other world of Camelot, and she has like an amulet. Or he has an amulet, and she has a sword. And like his amulet gives him the cap, the powers of Captain Britain, and her sword gives her the crazy psychic stuff that she has. I had no idea. I didn't know it either. But when I read it, I was like, what the hell? We are in Sir Arthur's Camelot right now. <laughs> like, it opens up the castle. And what the hell? Psylocke, Psylocke is at the... <laughs> in Morgan Le Fay, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I was like, what? And so I was reading it. I was like, okay, cool. And then it, it just, it weaves it really well into, again, Hickman's sandbox. Does it? Uh, there's a portal in Krakoa that can't be accessed, and it's not allowing anybody through. Apocalypse is really interested in it, and he's like, "I don't understand why I can't get through." It definitely leads to apocalypse. Can't get through either now, because last we took one, just that one. The last that we talked, it was just Kitty Pride that was having troubles. She can't go through any portal. Yeah, this portal specifically won't let anybody through, and Apocalypse is wondering why, and he's doing research on it basically, and he knows that it leads to another place. So he can can basically like see see through through the other side, but it's foggy. Do you think, now that you've been reading a few of them, and I've only read X-Men, do you think it's going to be something to pick up all of them? Just because it seems like they're all kind of leading towards the same thing. Portal's not working. It's too early to tell now. Yeah. I mean, there's only like three books that have come out. Yeah. Um, I'll wait until we're a lot further into these series. This makes sense because it's it's Morgan. They've already described it. It's Morgan Le Fay from the other side stopping it. Because she can see through, too. Yeah. She can see it, and she can see the Krakoan flowers. And she's like, what is muddying my pool? Yeah. What is in my pool? Yeah. Why is this here? And so she's actually blocking it. So, like, there's there's your reasoning why. Okay. She's in the other realm. Other world is what's called. The Arthurian. Yeah. And she's blocking it. Because it's... Uh, this so it's not the same problem as Kitty Pride's? No, not at all. Okay. And the story's big on magic. Quote-unquote magic. Mm-hmm. It has a nice little paragraph in the beginning from Apocalypse talking about what magic is and how yes these characters have quote unquote mutant powers but that's magic you know what I mean Psylocke has magic Mm. you know what I mean and then he equates it to modern day doctors scientists in the dark ages would have been called magicians Mm. but it's science now we know that and these mutant powers that start that we know now are mutant powers are still some sort of magic so the book is rooted within that magic is a thing yeah and there's still characters out there that deal with that you know I mean you could call Jubilee's power magic she shoots fireworks out of her hands I think yeah so uh, so it's rooted in that and then uh, with Morgan Le Fay god she's a dumb character what a (laughs) dumb story though what a dumb power she's in this story and Rogue is Gambit is um, Captain Britain uh, Psylocke is in it not um, Assassin Ninja Psylocke but original Betsy Braddock Psylocke because in this universe of X-Men you know nobody's dead now you can bring everybody back. Yeah. With the way that Xavier and the eggs work. Oh, look at him. He walks on two legs now. He rebuilt right. himself. Goddamn right. All right. Well, my batteries are almost dead. Woo! We're, we have no bars left. All right. 
Man. All right. We are playing a dirty game. Yes, we are. Uh, okay. So we should probably wrap it up anyway. We're at that 55-minute mark. Absolutely. If you take anything from the show, read Joker Killer Smile. Go out, please, and find The Last God. Uh, book one of the Fellfire Chronicles. And read all the X-Men stuff. It's all been really good. Yeah. I got to pick up the two books that I've missed out on yet. Both so. sold out. Yeah, I realize. Because <laughs> I already tried to find uh, the Marauders on Wednesday that I didn't miss from the week before. All gone. I know. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Smash and grab. We out. See ya. <laughs>